Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Everybody, how you doing today? Come on, happy Labor Day weekend. Can you guys give God some praise just for a second? Come on, give him your best. Jesus deserves your best. Come on, do better than that. Come on, he's worthy. He is good. Lord, you're worthy and you're good. It is so good to be with you in the house of God. We do, we have a lot happening. Thank you yesterday for serving uh, so amazingly in our community. We do uh, Serve Knock Saturday, every first Saturday of every month. And so uh, thank you for coming out and serving. I think we gave away all types of food. Many of you signed up. We did projects in our community. We do that every month, the first Saturday, Saturday of every month. So you can jump into that and get involved. I think someone was telling me this morning, like we were packing up boxes and, and uh, as we were giving them away, they had ribs in them and they had chicken and they, had, they were like, man, I want one of those boxes. I was like, I want one of those boxes, but I can't eat meat. And I don't know if I'll ever do it again. You got to come to our Fire Away series to hear if I will. Uh, that series is going to be awesome. So you can text your questions. There's a lot of questions in this day and age. Come on. If you don't, and, and can I just tell you that it's okay to have questions here? I mean, a lot of places say you can't have questions and you just got to, you know, it's okay to have questions about faith. It's okay to have questions about life. And so we want to encourage questions. We do not discourage questions. We encourage questions. Our faith is strong enough to handle questions. And so I want to encourage you to, to bring those questions, text them in, and uh, be a part of that series. Every year people love that time because I just kind of, you know, sit on a stool up here and take questions about family or parenting or, or sex or, 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 or COVID or is God good or what's happening in the world. I mean, there's all types of questions right now. And so I'd love to take those. We're in a series called Anchored. If you're new to our community, thanks for hanging out with us. If you're a guest, come on, give our guest a hand real quick, everybody. Thank, thank you for being with us. And then if you're online, give our online campus a what's up. Thank you guys for tuning in online. We love you so much. And uh, we have been in this series called Anchored and looking at the book of Hebrews. And you can go back and watch it on our, on our app or check it out online. But it's been a very strong series in this season about anchoring to Jesus. And um, you can turn on something every day in the news or you can look around or you can see what's happening in the world. And we, we all know we need an anchor. I need an anchor. And many of us have anchored our hope to things that move or things that float. And the reality is that, that we, we looked last week that we actually have an anchor called hope that anchors us into heaven. Uh, when you look at a boat anchor, it anchors you down. It anchors you underneath of the water in, in, in an environment down. But the hope we have actually anchors our soul up. It anchors our emotions up. It anchors our minds up, our will up. We're anchored into heaven, and therefore we can navigate the landscape of life because we have an anchor where Jesus is seated, and that, that is our anchor, Jesus. And so uh, I think it's important to be anchored. I'm going to go through, chat, I'm gonna go through a lot today. I'm going to read a lot of verses. Many, many of you, um, all, we don't do this all the time where I read big chunks of, ver- of scriptures. A lot of times we're topical or we're theme-driven, uh, but... We've been going through this book. I think it's been good for our church. It's been good for me. And uh, I was with a bunch of pastors out in, in uh, Idaho this, this last week. And, and we're, we're really, guys, I mean, the reality is we're, the church and Christians, we're in the fight of our lives. Like the, the, the battle isn't, isn't it, it, we're in it. It's starting. Like my buddy, his, he, he pastors in Spokane, Washington. And, and some of the battles that we're facing with with all the things in society and the things that are coming after our Christian faith and when it comes to to children and gender and marriage and sex and, 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 and you, know, what, you know, whatever we're facing now with pandemics and all that. We, we, are, in the, and we are in the fight of our lives as believers. And uh, he looked at me and he said, I'm just determined. He goes, I've got a 30-year strategy uh, with my church right now. And he goes, I'm determined that my church won't be sexy for the next three to five years. <laughs> and so he, he's just going back through the theologies. And, 
and what do we believe and the foundations of why we believe what we believe and the historical uh, belief systems and where our faith came from. And, and I don't know when I'm going to bring some of that about, but I think we need something to be a strong foundation. We, we are in the battle of our lives. And so going through the book of Hebrews today, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go through chapters 7 through 10. That's a lot of chapters. I'm not going to read every verse. I'm going to give you some chunks of Scripture, and, and, and they'll be on the screen for you. And I'm going to hit one kind of topic. This section of Scripture in Hebrews 7 through 10, chapter 7 through 10, is the longest single section of Scripture in the book of Hebrews. It's, um, it has one theme, and the theme is this. My title for today, and it's the theme of the book, Jesus is Better. Jesus is better. Paul sets out to prove Jesus is better. Chapters 1 and week 1, we looked at he's being supreme and su sufficient and superior. Therefore, since he's supreme and su sufficient and superior, he's also sympathizing as a man. Therefore, if, since he sympathizes with you and I, he can understand us and help us as a man. He's God's not only a man, he's God's son. He's family with God. Therefore, you and I are in God's family. Therefore, we can relax that God's got it taken care of, that it's not according to law anymore. It's according, it's according to life. It's according to Jesus and a relationship. And so we've looked at that, and then we looked at, at, at holding that hope we have in Jesus as an anchor of our soul and entering into rest in Jesus, not trying to work harder to get more rest, not going on vacation more to get more rest, not making more money to get more rest, but actually believing J Jesus better to get more rest, believing that he's actually God. And, and this whole portion of Scripture is that Jesus is better. Five times in these chapters it says Jesus is better. And I'm going to look at those thoughts of Jesus being better in those passages of Scripture, but he's just better. Just like Coke is just better than Pepsi. Somebody said, taste the same. I rebuke that devil in Jesus' name. <laughs> Chick-fil-A is just better than Popeye's. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> That's 10,000 praises right there, brother. Wendy's is better than McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. Better, better ingredients. Ketchup's better than mustard. Yeah, of course, of course. You, can't, you don't eat mustard by itself. You can eat ketchup alone. Hamburger, hamburger is better than hot dogs. Dogs are better than cats all day long. Yeah, can I get some? All day long. Bacon is better than sausage. Home Depot is better than Lowe's. Come on, somebody. Come on. Yes. Come on. Costco is better than Sam's. Ikea is better than... It. Hold on. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Ikea is better than anything. Target is better than Walmart. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Michael Jordan's better than LeBron. Yeah. Tom Brady's better than everybody. You're going to go Manning? Who are you going to go? Manning? Seven rings. I, can't, I don't like Brady either, but I can't argue with seven rings. I don't know. The ocean is better than the mountains. I know. It's maybe because we live here. The lake is better than the pool. Yeah. There's just some things that are just better, you know? And, and Paul literally wants to influence your affections. I was influencing your affections right there with what was better. And, and the reason Paul wants to influence our affections is because we choose what we like. We choose what we like. 
And so Paul wants us to understand through the book of Hebrews that Jesus is better and that if he could influence our affections to know that he's better, that he's everything, he's better than, than anything that you can put together yourself, any plan of living that you can devise on your own, that he's better. If you can actually understand and your affections get bent that way, you'll choose him every time. And Paul wants us to choose him. He's saying Jesus is the real thing. He, the other stuff is a type and shadow. The priesthood, the law, uh, the Old Testament, the Old Covenants, they were all imitations of a, of, a, of a real thing to come. They were imitations with limitations. Imitations have limitations. And, and, and it says that there were type and shadow. That's, a, that's an imitation. That's, a, that's a, a picture of something to come. But Jesus came to give life and a real relationship, the old, the old law, the old covenant was, was a picture of death. Jesus took death on and gave us now a picture of relationship in life. And so I want to look at the better statements that we could anchor our life to. Jesus is better. The first thing, number one, Jesus is a better priest. He's a priest for you and I. Chapter 7, 11 through 12 says this, Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek? We talked about him last week. And not be called according to the order of Aaron. For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there's also a change of the law. Jesus represents a change in the law. There was the law, and every time a priest would die in the Old Covenant, the law would change. It was this, there was this change of, or excuse me, there would be a change in priesthood, but now that there was a new change in this priest, there was a change in the law. Now it's the law of grace. It's not a law of Ten Commandments. It's a law of actual grace. It's a law of an internal life where the old law, the law of Moses, you were dead on the spot. If you disobeyed, you were dead on the spot. Done. And a lot of people still think that way when it comes to God and church. What they think is you have to behave before you belong. But the actuality is in Jesus, you get to belong before you behave. You just, I know, you just do. Like Jesus died, it's a law of grace. And in and, and, and our church, if you're new to our church or you've been here a while, you, you know that you can belong here before you believe or behave. People say, well, I gotta believe. No, you can belong before you behave. Many people think, I've got to clean my life up. I've got to get fixed. I've got to do better. I've got to make sure before I come to God. No, no, no. That's old thinking. That's Old Testament, dead on the spot. New Testament, Jesus paid for our sins. Jesus gave us grace. Jesus is saying, whosoever will come, whosoever would call on my name, no matter what you've had in your life or done in your life, it can't be beyond his grace. Praise God for that. Verse 13 through 14, it says, For he of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe, from which no man officiated at the altar. It's talking about that Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. Verse 14, for it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. It's saying that the, the, the law changed now with a new high priest, and no priest on earth were ever from the tribe of Judah. Judah was the tribe of kings. And so only kings came from Judah. What it's saying is that Jesus was a priest from the tribe of Judah, which meant that he was a king and a priest. The Bible actually calls you and I kings and priests in the New Testament. But what he's saying is that he rules and he represents. Come on, listen. Some of y'all in the last couple of elections, you've, you've been upset about who ruled and didn't represent your interests. And in elections before that, you were upset about who ruled and didn't represent your interests. That's the whole divide around politics. Someone ruling and not representing. What this says is that Jesus actually rules and represents your interests. He actually rules and represents the heart of the kingdom. Come on, listen to me. The kingdom, what, what Jesus does, he transcends all this stuff down here. 
We're fighting and dividing down here. We're fighting and dividing about different systems and different political structures. The reality is that some of it overlaps, but most of it, Jesus transcends and wants to bring something transcendent called kingdom to the earth. And we sometimes get this system down here mixed up with what he wants to bring that's transcendent from heaven to the planet. Does that make sense? So he rules and he represents your interest. It goes on number two. It says this, that he is a better hope, that Jesus is a better hope. Verse 18 and 19, for, one of, for on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. Listen to that. I mean, a lot of people don't love to hear that. Like when they get religious, it's like, you know, there's the rules and here it goes. It says there was an annulling of the former commandment. Because of its weakness and unprofitableness, the law, the Ten Commandments, could do nothing to change your heart, is what it's saying. For the law made nothing perfect, nothing complete. The word perfect is complete. On the other hand, there is the bringing of a better hope through it which we draw near to God. There's this better hope. Number two, Jesus is a better hope. That he actually makes you and I complete, not through external regulations, but through internal transformation. Now all of a sudden grace can begin to allow me to belong before I behave and things can begin to change in a relationship and, and I'm complete. And since I'm complete, since, I have perf- since it says that there's actually perfection that God brings me to as he's working, it means maturity or completeness. Now I get to draw near to God. I'll say it this way. We don't have to clean up to draw close. You don't have to clean up to draw close. I, I, the only way to clean up is by drawing close. The only way to to God to change some things is through relational connection, that I get to draw close because there's a better hope. I'm complete in God. I get to draw close. Years ago in 1998, I was in England, and the queen, we were at Buckingham Palace visiting the palace, and the queen was there, and they were doing this ceremony, and the queen actually walked out, and and she was with some of the bodyguards and all that. It was crazy. I, I got a picture. I ran up. I just kind of ran up, you know, without saying anything and just snapped a real quick picture with her. Had my friend take a picture. Check out this picture of me and the queen. I'm lying. There's no picture. Because I never did that. I was there in 98 and I was at Buckingham Palace. But you can't run up on the queen, people. You can't. <laughs> you can't. I'm not, I'm not in her family. I'm not complete in her family. There's no way I could have run up. They would have tackled me, killed me, shot me. And, and the reality is that many people treat God that way, thinking we can't run up on God because we're not in the family. But the Bible says that there's a better hope, that you are complete, that you are perfect, that you're in the family, that you can draw close to God in the middle of pandemic, in the middle of pain, in the middle of this world system. We can draw close. When everything's not perfect, we can draw close. Three, Jesus is a better covenant. He's a better covenant just means will and testament. If anybody has someone that left them anything, that's a will. Jesus is a better will towards you. Verse 22 through 24, by so much more, Jesus has become surety of a better covenant, that he's sure that there's a better promise. Verse 23, also there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. The people in the Old Testament died over and over. Verse 24, but he, because he continues forever as a servant, has an unchangeable priesthood. It's saying that he never gave up office. Can you imagine? Like he never, it's an unchanged, he's, he's in there. His interest and his will and his word and his heart is forever seated in heaven. He's never going to have a bad day. In the old covenant, when the priest was, was a priest in that, in that position, they would die and change out. And depending upon the priest that got into, into office, things were different. 
because he had different character and different beliefs. If you can read all through the Old Covenant, uh, there was different sins and different issues and different problems because the priests had different character. It's saying that Jesus has one character. He never changes from that character. And you can always believe and bank on he's going to be there when you need him to be there. He doesn't change. It's a better hope. It's a unchangeable priesthood, meaning that he always represents you according to God's interest for, your, for what you, you're called to be on this planet. He, it doesn't change. Uh, my kids sometimes will come and, you know, tell me that mom told them they could watch their show. And I'm getting ready to watch UT football or I'm getting ready to watch golf. Or, they're like, but mom said we could do this. You know, I'm like, well, yeah, but dad superseded mom right now. And y'all go downstairs. I'm watching football, and they're all been out of shape. They're angry. They're upset because things changed, because things got superseded. What this is telling you is that when you connect to Jesus, nothing supersedes his will for your life. Nothing can change. No one can supersede his purpose or his promise for you that you can anchor to him. And literally, no one can come in and go, oh, well, it's going to be different now. No, no, no. His servanthood continues towards you forever, and that never changes. And we can attach our hope to the reality that he's not going to change his word. If he said you're blessed, you're blessed. If he said he's good, he's good. And I know we're all facing situations that maybe you don't feel the goodness of God, but he's still good. The Bible says he is good because he does good. He is good. If he's promised it, it's real. Like, he's promised healing. We've seen people. We're praying right now. I just met a friend in the lobby. They have their pastor friend in town. He's in the hospital right now with COVID. God's a healer. We're believing for healing. Many people have been affected by it. He's still a healer. And, and, And that doesn't change. It says that he's a better promise. He's a better hope. He's a better mediator between us and God so we can anchor our hope to him. Is this helping you at all? Four, Jesus is a better salvation. He's a better salvation. Verse 25, actually the Bible in the New Testament says there is no other salvation under heaven by which we must be saved. Another name given amongst men where we can be saved. But the Old Testament really wasn't salvation. We've got a salvation in Jesus. Verse 25, therefore he also is able to save. Look at this. He's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. It says he's able to save to the uttermost. Many of us think it says he's able to save from the uttermost. From the uttermost. Come on, some of us have been brought from some stuff. Come on, some of us have been saved from the uttermost, but this says he's able to save to the uttermost. Meaning, literally, that nothing in your salvation is missing. That it's a full, complete salvation. That Christ has a comprehensive sense of salvation. Everything you needed in salvation was complete. That when you got salvation in Jesus, when you accepted Jesus, or if, you're, if, you, if you have... You accepted him. He brings a salvation that lacks nothing. Like, think about it. Like, you ever lost something? Like, your wallet, your keys? I went, was up in, with some buddies, and I went to a golf course, and, and I, my, I didn't have my wallet. I, I, I mean, I really didn't. I'm like, well, I forgot my wallet. He feels so stupid. He's like, real convenient time, right, to lose your wallet, right before we play the most expensive course up here. I'm like, man, my wallet's back at the house. I promise I'll, I'll, I'll get my wife to Venmo, you know, whatever. I, I, I just... If you feel weird, you lose your keys, you lack something. You ever been to a restaurant and you go to sit down to eat and there's no silverware? And you're just like. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They could prep it. They could cook it. You could all the excitement. You know, silver, you can't do nothing. Like what, what this is saying is that, that Jesus has thought of everything you need for salvation. Like there's no situation you can ever get to and be like. And, and I know sometimes we don't turn to him in it. 
We don't look to him in it, but it's saying that he saves you and I to the uttermost. He's thought of everything for your relationships, for your purpose. And many of you are waiting to get something else added to you to be what you need to be, to do what God's wanting you to do. You have everything you need to be successful that you need to fulfill the will of God in your life right now. Every, let me say it this way. Everything you have is everything you need. Well, Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't know what happened to me. You don't know where I've been, and you don't know. And, you, and I've been through this, and I got that, and, I've, and this and that, and this. And that. Everything you have in Jesus is everything you need. He saves to the uttermost. I think sometimes it's just we look in the wrong places for it. And I just want to encourage you. He lives to make intercession for you. The Bible says in this same passage, he ever lives. He saves to the uttermost and ever lives to make intercession for you and I. What does that mean? It means he's not living to take away your sin. You think he's living to remove your sin. He did that at the cross. He removed your sin at the cross. He's living to enforce your victory. He's living to pray and ensure your victory, to ensure your life, to ensure that you actually can live and serve God with everything you've got. Number five, Jesus is a better promise. He's a better promise. Chapter eight, verse six, it says, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. The word ministry means uh, public office at his own expense. Come on, somebody. Can you, you, we could... Somebody who serves publicly at their own expense. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also a mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. He's a mediator. He's a go-between between us and God where our better promises are promised to you and I. Verse 7 through 10. For, for if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant which I made with them with their forefathers in the day, listen to this, when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Because they did not continue in my covenant, I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with them, the house of Israel, after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and I will write them in their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Look at the distinction. In the Old Testament, he took them by the hand. And he drugged them. Come on, you ever been drugged? And, and he pulled them. In the new covenant, it says he takes us by the heart. It's a better covenant. It's a better way to live. Now, all of a sudden, it's not rules. It's not have to. It's not, man, I can't believe. It's not, man, that God, you know, I, oh, really, I can't have sex before marriage. That just sucks. Oh, I, I should live pure. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, I should get along and, and forgive people. Oh, I don't, I don't like them. It's not, it's not this rules-driven anymore. It's this internal change, not, not an external change. We can put rules on people all day long, but if you don't encounter Jesus, if you don't actually decide to live for God and actually say the Bible is real and his word is true and it gets inside of you and changes you from the inside out, that's where transformation comes. We, we, don't, need, we don't need external willpower. Come on, can I tell you, your willpower is going to fail you on January the 3rd? You're going to make a resolution. You're going to last three days. And, and I think we need this internal transformation, not behavior modification. He says he'll put his word on your heart. And some of you, just, some of you need heart transformation. Some of you have been in the kingdom for so long and you're still living perverse. Still living stingy. 
I'm just, be, I'm just, I love you. I'm just telling you. Look, I've, I've got my stinginess in me. I've got my perverse things in me. I've got my mental problems in me. I've got my stuff that I deal with, but I know I can't deal with it in my own strength. I have to deal with it through the word of God and the transformation of the Holy Spirit power, getting amongst some brothers and sisters and getting honest and open and real and saying, God, change our hearts. I don't want to keep living in, in this thing called Christianity without having heart change. That's exhausting, guys. Are you all with me? I just, I think God can change your life, and I think that it's a better covenant from the inside. Chapter 9, he begins to talk about a sanctuary. i got a few minutes left with you. He talks about the sanctuary, a big portion of Scripture. He begins to, Paul begins to tell us about this sanctuary that's built. It's 15 feet by 15 feet by 45 feet, and he talks about all the death that takes place there and the sacrifices and the slaughtering of animals, and it's a whole picture. The point is he gives us a whole picture of the sinful, or the, the sacrificial system for sin. And, and that, that system was a reminder of sin, that every year, once a year, it was a bloody, horrific scene. And every, all God's people would come around this, this tent and see this horrific scene of blood. It was everywhere, and the priests were slaughtering animals. We don't do that at this altar. But the, the cross was that moment. But I think a lot of times we've remo- removed the bloodiness from the cross, and so we forget how horrific sin was. We forget how painful sin is. And so, and so in this old covenant, though, it was a reminder of sin. In the new covenant, what this is saying is that there's actually a removal of sin. And, and a lot of times we allow the cross to be a reminder of sin. And I know I've been talking about sin and some of those issues, but listen to me. The reality is Jesus being better because he removes sin. He takes it off your shoulders. He takes it out of your heart. He takes it out of your mind. He's got this patience with you. Verse 22 through 23, it says, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Verse 23, Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of things in heaven should be purified with things, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Very simple. Jesus is a better sacrifice. He's a better sacrifice. Because he doesn't just remind me of my sins. I could, you ever had one of those family members, family members that reminds you all the time of how you messed up? Man, when you were seven, <laughs> remember that time you ran around naked, took that diaper off and danced with a knife on the counter? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I've heard that story. Like, that's a true story. It's my nephew, okay? Uh, you know, but my nephew now is older, and like, now the story's still told. Like, do you remember when he had the knife on the, on, and dancing naked? In the, and, you know, and it's like, it's, I mean, some, they hold that story over you forever. Like, you can never outlive it. Come on, there's people in your life that are still pinning you to those stories when Jesus is not reminding you of those things day in and day out. He's a better sacrifice. I'm so thankful that he's not holding it over my head and trying to, trying to make, pin me down and, and, and remind me of it all the time. No, 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 no. He's got a sacrifice that removed that stuff off my life. Therefore, I can do so much. Many of you think, I've got so much sin and I'm so unworthy, therefore I can do so little. When his sacrifice is saying, you've been forgiven so much and you have so little sin, therefore you can do so much. God's calling you up. I'm calling you up today. Not calling you out, I'm calling you up. There's more in you. There's more belief. There's more Bible. There's more grace. There's more truth. There's more life. I love how we're singing uh, that song about it being loud today. Can I praise him louder? Some of y'all were freaking out like, my goodness, not used to that. Like heaven, we are a loud church. Heaven is going to be loud, folks. Well, I don't know if they'll have earplugs or not, but it's going to be loud. And we can celebrate because Jesus has removed all that sin. Then in chapter 10, he goes on and continues to talk about sacrifice. And this is the conclusion of the whole section. We're going to go back into worship here in a second. I just think we need to respond to Jesus being better. 
As I was praying today before service and pre-service time of prayer for me, I, I, I heard this. I heard that, that some of you are discouraged big time right now. And that, that discouragement leads to isolation. Some of you, have just you're here, but you're isolated in your heart. You go places, but you feel alone. And, and that's from discouragement. And the Bible gives us a solution for that. He says, therefore, encourage one another. And I want to pray specifically for discouragement today as we go back into our ministry time. And then the second thing, and this is, listen, God wants to speak to all of us, but sometimes he wants to speak to just you. And the second thing is I heard, I asked God, what do you want to heal today? Does anybody have anything they need healed from? And I heard God say that there's some people in here that have some messed up nerves in their neck. And I don't know if that's you, but I'd love at the time when we have ministry time that that somehow it's affected your body, your neck's messed up, and and that God wants to heal that. So discouragement and then some ailments in the neck if anybody faces that. God still speaks today. He still heals today. So maybe some of you never heard of anything like that. God's a healer. And so I want to pray for you today. And our prayer and ministry team will be down here to pray for you as well. As Jesus, or Paul concludes this section, he says, this is what I want you to do. In verse 12 through 14, he begins to talk about what Jesus did. He says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting until his enemies are made a footstool. For by one offering, listen to this, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Those who are being sanctified. He's perfected forever your life. Do you know that it says perfected past tense? that you're already perfected in God, that you're, being, that you're being sanctified from a place of perfection, that God, that God is working on your life, but your, your position in Him is a place of perfection and maturity, that, 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 he, that Jesus took all of your sin. Listen to me. If you're still holding on to some of your sin, then Jesus can't have it. And, and, and your stuff, your junk, can't be in two places at one time. And you have to understand that He is a better carrier of your stuff and my stuff I can't carry it I can't carry the guilt I can't carry the shame Jesus is actually a better way that we get to approach God through his flesh and through his offering and through his sacrifice and it's just as if it happened yesterday like every day you and I get to come to him and he tells us in the light of all this what do we do he says draw near to God draw near to God that you and I actually get to draw near today and then we get to do that every day Whatever the news says, whatever the politicians say, whatever the mandates say, whatever we get to draw near to God. We're drawing near to the wrong stuff, guys. We're drawing near to the wrong opinions. We're drawing near to the wrong fears. We're drawing near to the wrong divides and the wrong equations. We're drawing near to the wrong. We get to draw near to God, the creator of the heavens and earth. We get to draw near and make our requests known unto him and that he would hear us and he would make intercession for us and Ensure the victory of his people in the earth. The war is on. The battle's on. Who are we going to draw near to? I want to draw near to God today. It says draw near to God and don't forsake the assembly together of the saints. What was happening to the Hebrews was they were getting discouraged because they had quit meeting together. And it says, and do this all the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. As we see these days enhancing, we should do all the more to get tighter. We should do all the more to draw together, all the more to get involved in connect groups and get people around us through the week and and pray together and encourage each other and not get discouraged. And, you know, Jesus wants to meet you in somebody else. The Jesus in somebody next to you wants to meet you and actually begin to encourage you and build you and bless you. I think sometimes we stay so isolated. And so today I just want to encourage you to draw close to God draw near to one another and encourage one another while we still can and God's got 
a better way for you and I. Let's anchor to him today. Would you stand with me? We're going to go back into a moment of worship. We have a few minutes in here. And I just want us to respond to God. Maybe just for a second, would you just draw near right now? I don't know, maybe you need to come down to this altar. We have our ministry team that will be available for prayer. We have communion on the sidewalls. You can look on both sides of the auditorium here. Every week we have communion. That's available. Maybe you want to slip out and draw near to God through communion. That's Him giving us a better way, His body and His sacrifice. Maybe you just want to come down and get on your knees at the altar. I don't know, but let's draw near right now just for another second. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.